Back in 1927, I had a little farm and I called it heaven. Price was up and rain come down and I hauled my crops all into town. I got the money, bought clothes and groceries, fed the kids, took it easy. That's Woody Guthrie singing the Dust Bowl Blues. Good afternoon, I'm Callie Crossley. This year marks Woody Guthrie's 100th birthday. We're paying tribute to him and his life's work by way of Woody Says. Woody Says is a musical production currently on stage at the American Repertory Theater in Cambridge. Joining me to talk about Woody Says are David Lutkin and Alicia Anstead. David Lutkin is the divisor and music director of Woody Says. Alicia Anstead is our arts and culture contributor and the editor of Inside Arts Magazine and the Harvard Arts Beat blog. Welcome to you both. Thank you very much for having me. So hi, Dave, Hi, hi, Alicia. How are you? Uh, I'm great. <laughs> David, who was Woody Guthrie? Lord, have mercy. Well, uh, Woody Guthrie was uh, an American uh, poet and troubadour who was born in 1912, uh, 100 years ago this year, and uh, died in 1967 after uh, writing and recording about a thousand songs and uh, writing and not publishing or recording many, many more. All right. Um, you are uh, known as the divisor of this. You, you helped create the tribute that became Woody Says, the stage production. Right. Well, what inspired you to create this piece about Woody Guthrie? A um, hundred years ago, a lot of people know him, but just as many don't know him. <laughs> Well, that's very true and uh, interesting, I think, and, and ironic in the United States that uh, an awful lot of people don't know who Woody Guthrie was. Uh, and I suppose I was inspired by um, an awful lot of people along my own way, starting with some teachers of mine uh, way back when I was in school and growing up in Texas and uh, singing different kinds of uh, music, uh, including American folk music. And uh, when I began to learn to play the guitar, uh, being the youngest of four siblings, that was just sort of what you did. They all played, so I learned to play. And uh, we played a lot of uh, different folk songs, but uh, I was always very impressed with uh, old Mr. Guthrie and uh, his very different uh, take on folk music and a uh, very different way that he used it uh, from many, many other people. So, Alicia, let's talk about folk music. Uh, where is it, if, as you think about art in general? Um, we think about originality in American art and, I think, in music. So I think uh, blues, I think jazz, but I think folk music obviously stands a part of there. And where would you put Woody Guthrie in the spectrum of uh, artists who perform folk music? Well, I was thinking when you asked David about who is Woody Guthrie, um, the first thing that came to mind for me was that he was an artist, an artist of the proletariat and of the political. And I think that that's where folk music has its niche. I think it will always be with us because, as you know, the poor will always be with us. And it, it captures something about the quotidian um, about the painful often, and also about the joyful and witty. And I think that in this country in particular, I think every country has folk music, but in this country in particular, it's been such a unifying sound to our ears. When you think about um, this land is your land, which David, correct me here um, if I'm wrong, is pr probably Woody Guthrie's most famous song. You know, you think about that reaches across class lines and right into our national spirit. And that's really what the folk uh, music brings to us. When you think about where he fits in the whole spectrum of folk uh, music, Alicia, where, where would you mm -hmm. situate him? Right at the top, Callie, um, at least for the 20th century. You know, I'm sure David knows more about the entire history of folk music, but I'm not sure, maybe Pete Seeger, um, and, and it begins to branch out from there. You know, the definition of folk music is, is a wily thing, Callie. There, you know, are you talking about singer-songwriters? Are you talking about music that, that grows out of an indigenous uh, uh, culture? You know, what exactly is folk music? I'm not sure we have a definitive definition about that. David, what, what do you think about that? Well, I, I always think of Louis Armstrong, mm. uh, who said, all music is folk music. 
I don't see no horses listening to it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that's a good answer. (laughs) Um, Now, for you, David, what made Woody's life, because this is a tribute, it's not a musical, it's a tribute to him. So you have woven together many songs, but there's a narrative which uses his own words. So this is words that he spoke. What about his life was so compelling to you? Well, uh, if you read any of the biographies of of, uh, Woody, uh, you will see that that, um, his life has um, some very uh, broad and dramatic facets, I guess uh, is a good way to describe it. I hope it's a good way to describe it. Um, He had a great deal of of, uh, personal tragedy in his family and in his own uh, life. Uh, beginning in a very early age. He had a very difficult uh, life in, uh, when he was growing up in Oklahoma and Texas. Um, his uh, mother uh, went, uh, what they thought at the time was insane, uh, gradually when he was a very little boy, and it turned out that she had Huntington's chorea, Huntington's disease, uh, which, of course, is hereditary. And to skip on down 50 years, Woody inherited it from her, and he died the same uh, very, very difficult and uh, tragic, uh, dramatic uh, death in uh, 1967 after about 13 years in the hospital. Um, and along the way, uh, as I heard Pete Seeger say one time, uh, Woody Guthrie was haunted by fire in his life. Uh, His sister, when he was a little boy, his sister uh, died in an accidental fire. Uh, His father uh, was burned, uh, apparently by his mother, uh, in an act of madness, sort of. And then later on, much later in his life, his uh, daughter, Kathy Ann, uh, died in a fire. Uh, And Woody uh, uh, himself suffered in an accidental fire. And all these things are, I don't want to go on too much about mm. that particular thing, but that's just one of the uh, sort of uh, jaw-dropping facts about his life that are that when you put the music that he wrote against things like that and the Dust Bowl and his uh, difficult childhood being displaced and moving around and his three marriages and other things when he grew up, when you put the music against that backdrop, it's pretty amazing and quite theatrical. Uh, That's a strange word to use, but that's what we want it to be, bringing it to the theater. All right. I want to give... Yes, go ahead, Alicia. Well, I just wanted to jump in on what David is talking about, because obviously all of those contribute to Woody Guthrie's sensibility as an artist and just as a human being. But what's so compelling to me about his life, and that is brought out in the show, I think, in some ways more than these other aspects, although they're all touched on in the show, is the adventure story. Um, His movement out of Oklahoma to California to New York, across the country several times, hitchhiking. Um, David, could you talk a little bit about why that adventure story is so compelling? Well, it's... uh... It's another one that I, I think, Alicia, you've done the right thing by putting him at the top. It's, it's the kind of thing that, uh, you know, Jack Kerouac uh, took mm-hmm. off on the same road in some ways and for some of the same reasons. Uh, but Woody was one of those guys who uh, he went out to California with, you know, a million displaced Okies uh, and found a way in California to... Uh, uh, make a living by using his experience through his uh, abilities as a, as a poet and a songwriter. And he was discovered out there, essentially, by the left wing, uh, his great friend Will Gear and, and other folks who saw in what he was doing a great tool and a very authentic persona uh, to... Uh, to further the cause, I think, and and that is a big part of what led to his adventures. I think it should also be said that that all of those people seem to tap into something inside him. I mean, he really, you know, sort of, you know, came forward with writing these songs that are that are so uh, connected to the the life and the work and how people 
people uh, were living in hard scrabble times at the, you know, through the depression Absolutely. and the Dust Bowl. Um, I wanted to give people a chance to hear one of the songs from the show. Sure. You've brought your guitar, so we're going to get you to play live at, uh, later on. But right uh-huh. now, uh, this is Jackhammer John, and this is from Woody Says, a production at the ART. And this is Andy Tierstein on vocals singing Woody Guthrie's Jackhammer John. Jackhammer John was a jackhammer man Born with a jackhammer in his hand Lord, Lord, I got them jackhammer blues I built your roads and your bridges too I'm always broke when my job is through Lord, 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 I got them jackhammer blues I'm a jackhammer man from a jackhammer town I can hammer on a hammer till the sun goes down Lord, Lord So, David, that's you and your castmates. Um, there are three others who join you on stage, and it should be noted that you are playing every instrument, I think, known to mankind. <laughs> uh, guitars, fiddles, harmonicas, viola, auto harp, Appalachian dulcimer, double bass, mandolin, banjo, bee penny whistle, jaw harp, spoons. There's even spoons being played in this in this production to get that authenticity of what what Woody was uh, coming up with as he met these people and tried to talk about their lives in song. Yeah, you bet. Mm-hmm. And as we were talking about before, there is an awful lot of uh, joy and uh, wit to uh, what Woody did, and. Uh, Andy is uh, is a master of, of many different instruments, and he plays actually most of those, I think. <laughs> uh, he uh, used to be a circus performer uh, long ago down in uh, Mexico and played the fiddle on the tightrope and uh, did all kinds of great stuff. So we try to use everything of his that we can. I think what a lot of people, some people know this, of course, but what what a number of people don't know is that how political Woody was. You know, you mentioned how he went out and got sort of uh, brought into the fold by certain folks. But, you know, that's where he was coming from. And so most of the songs, a lot of the songs I heard in the production, I'm thinking to myself, you know, I don't know that I know that he wrote these songs, which is your point, of course. Uh, but they have a distinct political edge. I wonder if you might give us a little bit here live in studio of Vigilante Man. Oh, sure. I'd be <laughs> glad to. In the same key as the last one. <laughs> Have you seen that vigilante man? Have you seen that vigilante man? Have you seen that vigilante man? I've been here, his name all over this land. Now what is a vigilante man? Tell me what is a vigilante man? Does he carry a gun and a club in his hand? Is that a vigilante man? Yes, why does a vigilante man Tell me why does a vigilante man Carry a sawed-off shotgun in his hand Would he shoot his brother and sister down? All right, Vigilante Man by Woody Guthrie, played by David Lutkin. We're talking about the musical production Woody Says, now on stage at the ART. It's a tribute to Woody Guthrie and a celebration of his songs. You can join the conversation at 877-301-8970, 877-301-8970. What does Woody Guthrie mean to you? Do we have a Woody Guthrie for the 21st century? 877-301-8970, 877-301-8970. You can write to our Facebook page or send me a tweet at Callie Crossley. You're listening to WGBH, Boston Public Radio. This program is made possible thanks to you and the Z New Bedford celebrating its season finale with Mass Ensemble, Saturday, May 26th. Culminating a week-long celebration, Mass Ensemble will transform the Z with the amazing sound of its earth harp installation, Zyterian.org. And Skinner, auctioneers and appraisers. I've listened to WGBH radio and watched 
WGBH television for all my adult life. Stephen Fletcher, Executive Vice President. And we find that our audience tends to be made up of people who are also listeners and viewers of WGBH, and we thought it's a perfect fit for us. We're targeting the right people. To learn more, visit WGBH.org sponsorship. Migrants from Central and South America continue to stream north through Mexico in search of the American dream. United States is, is good for you if you work hard and save your money, you can make something in your country. The journey is perilous, and some Catholic priests are helping out by setting up shelters. We profile one next time on The World. Coming up at 3 here on 89.7 WGBH. With more than 40 years under NPR's belt. It's Morning Edition from NPR News. There's now an entire generation of listeners who grew up from NPR News. This is All Things Considered. Listening to public radio from the backseat. If you're a member of the backseat generation, this year give mom her due with a shout out on the WGBH Facebook page. Just search for WGBH at Facebook.com. And to every public radio mom, thanks. High-tech biotech. Innovation is what we in Massachusetts are about. Venture firms. The WGBH Exconomy Report, Friday during Morning Edition. A partnership between Xconomy.com and 89.7 WGBH. Welcome back to The Callie Crossley Show. If you're just joining us, we're paying tribute to Woody Guthrie. This year marks his 100th birthday. The musical production Woody Says is currently on stage at the ART. It's an exploration of Woody Guthrie the man and a celebration of his songs. I'm joined by the divisor and music director of Woody Says, David Lutkin. He's in the studio with us with his guitar. We're also joined by our arts and culture contributor, Alicia Anstead. She's the editor of Inside Arts magazine and the Harvard Arts Beat blog. You can join the conversation at 877-301-8970, 877-301-8970. What does he mean to you? Does he speak to you in these times? 877-301-8970, 877-301-8970. And you can write to our Facebook page, page or send me a tweet at Callie Crossley. Um, a question for you, David Ludkin, because Woody seems so very American in every way. He is an American, but in everything that he writes about, what he says, um, and yet you open this production in London. Why? <laughs> well, actually, we've done it quite a few times in uh, Europe and the United Kingdom. Uh, I have performed uh, folk music uh, for a long time. Uh, I'm older than I look on the radio, and uh, I... Uh, learned a long time ago that uh, that folks in in Europe and in particular in England they're very very fond of American music of all kinds and uh, so when I got ready to uh, to put this show together the first place we went actually was the Edinburgh Festival Fringe in uh, 2007 and uh, we just had a great time uh, it occurred to me several things uh, I, if you've ever heard of Lonnie Donegan Lonnie Donegan was a performer from Northern England who had a couple of hits with Woody Guthrie songs way back when and so I knew that they would know who he was and and I was right. <laughs> yeah, great. Um a question to both of you. I'll start with you David. Uh, there so much of his work are are what I would call work songs. Uh and, you know, I try to think about work songs of today. Now, I want to give people a sense of what I'm talking about when I say a work song. Here, here's something from the from the uh, production called Union Made. Um, and this is from the production. What he says in the song is Union Made. There once was a union made. She never was afraid of goons and ginks and company thinks. And the deputy sheriff, she made the grade. She went to the union hall where the meeting it was called. Company boys came round, she always stood her ground. Oh, you can't scare me, I'm sticking to the union. I'm sticking to the union. I'm sticking to the union. Oh, you can't scare me, I'm sticking to the union. I'm sticking to the union. Now, you know, that crosses a couple of genres. I know it's a political song, but it, but it's a work song. Why, you know, today I don't hear that. I don't, am I just not knowing where to listen? Well, gosh, <laughs> I, take it, Alicia. <laughs> well, I, I know she asked for you to talk first, David, but Callie, I think that we hear 
all sorts of music in, in pop music in particular uh, about the man, you know, and um, think about Bruce Springsteen. Think, think about rap songs. I mean, it's still there as a theme. It may not be in the so-called folk genre. But I think it's still out there as a theme. Well, no, I, I, I will I note that it is a theme. I thought about actually rap when 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 uh, I, even as I formulated the question. But I was just thinking of it, you know, from its roots, David, from, sure. you know, where, where where Woody got his 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 foundational support. Well, that particular song has an interesting little story that goes with it is uh, Woody and Pete Seeger were traveling the country uh, in the winter of 1939, 40. And uh, they met up with the uh, organizers of the Communist Party in, uh, in Oklahoma, in, I believe it was Enid, Oklahoma. And uh, they stayed with them for a few days. And uh, while they were there, uh, Mr. Wood, the fellow's name was Bob Wood, showed Woody a newspaper article about a, uh, a violent uh, uh, demonstration that had taken place at a, a government camp not far away um, with goons and ginks coming to beat people up who were looking for, uh, you know, jobs and all that kind of thing. And uh, they had beaten, apparently, a woman, particularly uh, terribly. And uh, Woody stayed up all night and wrote that song. And that's, of course, that's an old tune called Red Wing. It's one of my mother's favorite songs. Oh, the sun shines bright on little Red Wing, on little Red Wing. But Woody changed it around and wrote some uh, some new words to it that that have mm. become one of the quintessential uh, worker songs of America. Hmm. All right. Uh, and when people hear it today, I have to say, so many of the songs in the show felt like they were written for today. We we know how <laughs> how how long ago he wrote those. Didn't you get the same sense, Alicia? Well, I did, and and I was just recently reading an editorial piece by Jim Hightower, the liberal political activist, who said that he was he was commemorating Woody Guthrie's 100th anniversary, and he said he wouldn't need to write any new material uh, if he was writing if he mm. were writing right now. And uh, of course, I felt that way. And I was also hearing, even just in Vigilante Man, David, as you were playing it. I was hearing Dylan, I was hearing Springsteen, I was hearing Michelle Schacht, I was hearing the history of his um, impact on American music through the years, and it's not just the, the obvious people who are string players or singer-songwriters, but there are also punk groups, um, and, and sure. you know, you know people like mm. Lou Reed and Natalie Merchant who have mm. recorded his Good work. Good point. Yes, that's an excellent point. All right, I'm going to take a call. Mickey from Beverly, go ahead, please. You're on the Callie Crossley Show, WGBH. Hi. Yes. I'm, I'm- I'm so delighted that there is a show about Woody Guthrie. Um, when I was a little girl, I studied dance with Marjorie Mazia Guthrie at the Neighborhood Playhouse. I'm very old. And uh, <laughs> Woody used to come in, the classes were on Saturdays, and when he was in New York, he would come in with his guitar, and he would sit in a corner, and he would create the songs that are still still available today, the songs that he wrote for children, Let's Go Riding in My Car Car, and Don't You Push Me Down, and all those wonderful, wonderful songs. What year was this? Uh, mm, see, I was born in 39, so probably 45, 46, the mid-40s. How, how are you hearing those songs today when you hear them, you know, right now? Does it just, you know, resonate in these times for you as well? Oh, Yes. Absolutely. He had a very, he had a very hard life, you know. I mean, politically, uh, he was uh, an outcast during the 50s, and his, um, uh, the home of his birth, I had understood, had gone to rack and ruin. And I was still studying with uh, Marjorie Mazia when she uh, moved her, opened her own studio in Sheepshead Bay in Brooklyn, and when Woody got sick. Uh, she had to replace herself with other teachers mm. because she went out to be with him and she stayed with him. Um, even though he had married his third wife. Um, yeah, that's that big life that uh, David has told us about, the adventurous <laughs> life. Thank right. you so much for the call, Mickey. Thank you. Bye-bye. Um, you know, we should not mention, uh, I should point out that as you listen to some of these songs, because you think you've heard some of them, maybe a chorus here or there, you know, I'm struck with, the guy was really, really left. I mean, we're we're talking left of left of left of left, <laughs> uh, and and a true. lot of people don't 
don't know that. Uh, and um, how is it that, is it just fog of memory or because so many of the tunes were so catchy, it's a little bit like rap. You know, you start singing it and you say, wait a minute, what am I singing? You know, <laughs> to, on some yeah, of the songs. Sure. Yeah. Well, he, uh, he was definitely uh, left of left. Uh, he, uh, as a matter of fact, he was critical of, of uh, Roosevelt along with a lot of other left of lefties uh, back then and, and uh, thinking that they had not gone uh, far enough, which is certainly resonates today with people saying that the president has not done enough uh, from both sides. And uh, he, uh, he used to say, um, I've read it four or five times in different places, he said, I ain't a communist necessarily, but I've been in the red all of my life. <laughs> and uh, so that was his little joke. But he, he was certainly a... Um, way out there in the socialist communist sphere yes um, David could I ask could I ask a question please uh, I've been thinking about Woody and his outsider status which was so essential to his political and social positioning as you know could he ever ever have not been an outsider could he have been placated into singing songs about fields mm. of wheat and fields of corn I mean you know <laughs> that that were happy well there's one very famous episode uh, from his career where uh, that did indeed happen. In uh, the late 1930s, he was commissioned by the Bonneville Power Administration to write songs about the Grand Coulee Dam. Mm -hmm. And uh, he went uh, up to uh, Oregon, to the Valley of the Columbia River, and in I hope I get this right. I can't ever remember if it's 26 songs in 23 days or 23 throngs in 26 days. But he wrote uh, more than two dozen songs in less than a month, we'll put it that way. And they turned out to be some of his, really, some of his greatest uh, songs. It was a very, obviously, a very prolific period, sort of like, you know, lightning striking. And he was working for the government. And uh, so he was sort of... Uh, lulled into that spot for, for that time. But uh, the songs certainly had an edge to them. I mean, the one that we do in the show that was written during that period is, is uh, Pastures of Plenty, uh, which is a really great song of his. And uh, even though it is about, you know, uh, the Columbia River and all the great projects that are gonna, that are gonna happen, it's also about how it was pretty tough to get there uh, for, mm -hmm. America. One of the things that um, I think would people, anybody watching the play, knowing uh, the tribute, rather knowing nothing about him, would just be so struck by in terms of echoes of today was just his focus on income equality. Um, I was listening to uh, Do Re Mi, which I'm going to ask mm -hmm. you to play, oh my. and I just thought, <laughs> wow. You know, there was a time in this country where certain people were prevented from going into California because right. they were too poor. And to have him write about it in that way was really quite powerful. And it just it, it felt very much uh, taken from the language of Occupy, but though it's the other way around, of course. So yes. if you would play a little bit of Do Re Mi. Sure. Do Re Mi was, uh, as you say, was written in response to uh, the California State Police putting up what they called the bomb blockade. Not exactly a wall, but almost. Well, lots of folks back east, they say, are leaving home most every day. I've beaten that hot old dusty trail to the California line. Across the desert sands they roll, getting out of that old dust bowl. They think they're going to a sugar bowl, but here's what they find. The police at the port of entry say, you're number 14,000 for today. If you ain't got the Do-Re-Mi, boy, if you ain't got the Do-Re-Mi, well, you better go back to beautiful Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas, Georgia, Tennessee. California is a garden of Eden. It's a paradise to live in or see. But believe it or not, you won't find it so hard if you ain't got the Do-Re-Mi. If you want to buy a home or farm, that won't do nobody no harm. Or take your vacations by the mountains or the sea. Don't swap that old cow for a car. You better stay right where you are. Better take this little tip from me. I look through the wad ads every day. 
And the headlines on the papers always say If you ain't got the do-re-mi, boy If you ain't got the do-re-mi Well, you better go back to beautiful Texas Oklahoma, Kansas, Georgia, Tennessee California is a garden of Eden Sure, it's a paradise to live in or see But believe it or not, you won't find it so hot If you ain't got the do-re-mi Fabulous and really relevant for these these days and times. Well, when we come back, I'm going to ask the question about who's the audience today for this music and this tribute. And we're talking about the musical production, Woody Says, now on stage at the ART. It's a tribute to Woody Guthrie and a celebration of his songs. You can join the conversation at 877-301-8970. 877-301-8970. Does he speak to you in these times? Write us at our Facebook page or at, at Callie Crossley if you want to send us a tweet. You're listening to WGBH Boston Public Radio. This program is on WGBH thanks to you and Tower Hill Botanic Garden in Boylston, Massachusetts, featuring free admission for all moms on Mother's Day weekend, May 12th and 13th, with hundreds of blooming plants on display. More information online at towerhillbg.org. And Independent Lens. Follow a family of nomadic herders in Tibet's high grasslands as they struggle to maintain their roots and adapt to modernization. Don't miss Summer Pasture on Independent Lens, Thursday at 10 on WGBH 44. And from members of the Great Blue Hill Society, whose estate and planned giving arrangements to WGBH create a lasting legacy and ensure public media for generations to come. What will your legacy be? On Fresh Air, you'll hear the questions you wish you could have asked to people like Tom Kenny, the voice of SpongeBob SquarePants. Did it help to hear what your voice sounded like on helium? Did you learn something about your voice you didn't know before? Yeah, I learned that I don't really need the helium. Because <laughs> it's pretty easy to flick that switch and go right up there. The most interesting people in show business on fresh air. This afternoon at 2, here on 89.7 WGBH. It's time for the 47th Annual WGBH Auction. It's your chance to take advantage of some great deals on home furnishings, electronics, jewelry, fine dining, unforgettable getaways, and even a brand new Toyota Prius, donated by your New England Toyota dealers. And every winning bid supports the programs you depend on from WGBH Radio and Television. Bid high, bid often, and keep coming back for daily features. It's all online at auction.wgbh.org. Morning Essentials. Good morning from the WGBH Radio Newsroom in Boston. I'm Bob C. with some of the local stories. We're Start following. your day well-informed. Bob C. and Morning Edition here on WGBH Radio. Welcome back to the Callie Crossley Show. If you're just joining us, we're paying tribute to Woody Guthrie. This year marks his 100th birthday. The musical production, Woody Says, is currently on stage at the ART. It's an exploration of Woody Guthrie, the man, and a celebration of his songs. I'm joined by the divisor and music director of Woody Says, David Lutkin. He's in his studio with us with his guitar. We're also joined by our arts and culture contributor, Alicia Anstead. She's the editor of Inside Arts Magazine and the Harvard Arts Beat blog. You can join the conversation at 877-301-8970, 877-301-8970. What does Woody Guthrie mean to you? Fess up. Is the only song you knew, This Land is Your Land? We're getting to that. 877-301-8970, 877-301-8970. You can write to our Facebook page or send us a tweet at Callie Crossley. So, David Luckin, I want to talk to you about audience because um, I was there on a night with a huge crowd and very, very enthusiastic. And you noted that from the stage that, boy, this is Cambridge and you know it's Cambridge uh, because of the kind of uh, enthusiasm that you got from the stage. Uh, are, have you been surprised or is Cambridge more over and above what you've been getting other places? Well, uh Yes, I am surprised. And yes, Cambridge is over and above what we have gotten in some other places. Uh, but as we talked about before, we've done the show a lot in, in Europe. And only this is our fourth production in the United States. And uh, I actually think we have a pretty good cross-section so far. We've uh, done the show in Oklahoma City mm. uh, in 2009. 
uh, right after uh, the election, rather the inauguration of Mr. Obama. Uh, and in Oklahoma, interestingly enough, Oklahoma is the only state in the union where every county voted for John McCain. And uh, so that was fun. Mm. And we got to appeal to all the people who voted for Mr. Obama and and uh, all the ones like, that didn't. And yeah. that's right. <laughs> and all the ones that didn't. That's yes. right. We had, yeah. we had both. And we've also played in, in Charlotte, North Carolina, in uh, one of the biggest banking centers in the United States, which is interesting, given Mr. Guthrie's attitude about bankers. And uh, then right before we came up here, uh, we played down in uh, Delray Beach, Florida. We were kind of working on the show a little bit in a very small theater down there. And man, we had a great time with those folks. They, uh, uh, very many, of course, uh, senior citizens and quite elderly senior citizens at that who were telling stories about the Spanish Civil War and uh, so great this is music things. they recognize. Oh goodness yeah, gracious. Right. It was it was fabulous. And singing songs from Hoot Nanny's long past. So we had a great time. Well, I would say that uh, there were a lot of people in the audience that seemed to uh, of different ages. It was a very uh, age demographic democratic, if you will, um, but who seemed to know something about who Woody Guthrie was, either by some personal experience or having studied or know him. And I want to point out, Alicia, before I come to you about the audience question, is that uh, this production of Woody Says is really a part of a larger mission of Diane Paulus, the artistic director. She wants to draw different kinds of audiences uh, to the uh, ART. And here's a quote um, she says, I'm a believer that music is the heartbeat of theater. It's a personal passion of mine. The music in Woody Says is a draw, but there's also the issue of social history. And I think our audience loves that combination. It's entertainment, but it also deals with larger issues, which is exactly who Woody Guthrie was. So, Alicia, from your standpoint about drawing a different audience to this, did you observe that? I did observe that, Callie. I'm a regular theater goer at American Repertory Theater, and this felt like a revival to me. It almost felt like a religious revival. There were people in the front row clapping and singing along and bursts of applause, uh, standing ovation, a real sense that they owned this music uh, and and, uh, David's performance, both as Woody Guthrie and as the narrator um, and his his, uh, uh, co-cast members of, of... which there are three, so it's a cast of four, they, they really channel the spirit of, of Woody Guthrie, the era, and this country in a way that is very moving, um, especially to, I, I have to say, the night I saw it, I did not see one person in that theater whom I knew, mm-hmm. not one. And that's very unusual. You know, Cambridge is not that large. And almost always when I go to theater, even some of the smaller theaters around Boston, I see someone I know or recognize. That was not true for this audience. And as you point out, it was age democratic. And, um, you know, I think people really are longing to either return to an era in which they felt very motivated and active in their lives. That is the 1960s or maybe even earlier. I'm sure there were some World War II vets in that audience, or who want to know about what happened then and who relate to the the, the folk story. Well, I have to say, and I, I want to play this tune because as it was playing, people were, I looked around, people were singing the words. So, you know, these are people, there were some people in the audience that really knew this. This is called This Train, and it's from Woody Says. taught to call me by the name of a poet. I'm no more of a poet than you are. The only story that I've tried to write down has been you. This train is bound for glory, this train. This train is bound for glory, this train. This train is leaving town, hitting the road and rolling on down. This train bound for glory, this train. Shot 
I thought people were going to come out of their seats on that one, David. <laughs> they were really you know, toe-tapping and swaying and singing out loud, and it, it invites that kind of participation. Sure. <laughs> That's our rock and roll version of, the, of our folk music stuff. Did you find that, Alicia? Yeah, Ke- well, yeah, Kelly, what I was going to ask you was, did you feel maybe like I did? And by the way, I was very fascinated by the audience, and, and one of the... the, the um, really important um, uh, qualities of American theater right now is audience engagement. It's it's happening everywhere, and Diane Paulus is one of the leaders in that. But this one, really, like her Red Sox musical um, a couple of years ago, really drew a crowd that wanted to be in the moment. And it was, it was to me, really like being at part theater, part concert, and as I said earlier, part revival. The spirit in that theater, both on stage and off, was extraordinarily high. Um, and we should note, because I want to be clear to people, it's not a musical. Uh, mm-hmm. It is a tribute so that you have we've woven a narrative, yes, indeed, and singing some songs. But it's it's not a musical. So there's a story and a whole other thing. And you will just sort of pop up singing songs. <laughs> They're meant to be there as they are. So this leads me to uh, this question, because it's looking at the mix and understanding where people were coming from, it seems to me that Woody Guthrie has a bifurcated legacy. There are people who know the songs, who know him, who put him in the political context that, of which he was very much a part of. And then there's a whole bunch of people who just know this land is your land as the alternate uh, song to God Bless America. And there's nothing wrong with that. But but in that group of people often have um, depoliticized him, if you will. Uh, David, can you speak to that? Well, sure. Mm-hmm. Uh Bifurcated is just not a word that I'm sure Woody would have used, but uh, it's a good word, nevertheless. And uh, Woody, well, there's a there's a pretty famous recording of uh, "This Land Is Your Land" uh, done by Bing Crosby in uh, 1964, I think, uh, where of course they they uh, like most of the published versions of "This Land" uh, have the uh, original verses. Three of the original six verses are, are cut out. Um, because, as you point out in the first furcation, or whatever, <laughs> however you say that, um, <laughs> it uh, when he wrote the song, it was a uh, direct response, a parody, really, uh, in his way of the song, God Bless America, which uh, had kind of driven him nuts because it was on the radio so much. And just so because I'm going to get you to play This Land is Your Land, so I know people want to sing along to that while they're listening. (laughs) Uh, But here are some of the lyrics that a lot of people may not know. As I went walking, I saw a sign there, and on the sign it said, no trespassing, but on the other side, it didn't say nothing. That side was made for you and me. In the shadow of the steeple, I saw my people by the relief office, I see my people. As they stood there hungry, I stood there asking, is this land made for you and me? I can tell you, I have never heard those lyrics. (laughs) And uh, when he wrote the song in uh, 1940, in February of 1940, he, uh, he, those were the uh, two of his original verses. He modified things a little bit after that, but... uh, but that was his uh, his take on the whole thing was that, and I don't really uh, mean to speak for him, and I know everybody has uh, different opinions about this, but he believed that the song God Bless America was uh, kind of a cop-out, that uh, putting everything in God's hands and saying that, you know, God's on our side and everything we do is sanctioned by God was was really not right and that we were more uh, responsible to and for ourselves. All right, play a little bit of it, not the whole thing, because I'll, I'll get you to play it out <laughs> later, but if just give us a taste of This Land Is Your Land. All right, well, I'll do a little of the original stuff then. This land is your land. This land is my land. From California to Staten Island. From the Redwood Forest to the Gulf Stream waters. God blessed America for me. Nobody living can ever stop me. As I go walking my freedom highway, nobody living can make me turn back. This land was made for you and me. This land is your land. This land is my land. Everybody from California to the New York Island, from the Redwood Forest, to the Gulf Stream water. 
This land was made for you and me. And so, Alicia, what's so beautiful about that, thank you, David Lutkin, um, is that it's really a quite patriotic song. Yeah. Uh, it is such a patriotic <laughs> song. As, as David was playing it, I was picturing, David, do you, do you have that wonderful, holy Martin guitar with you today? Yes, yes, I do. <laughs> yeah, I, I, your, 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 listeners, your listeners don't know that I'm in the studios of WHRO in Norfolk, Virginia today, so I can't see David playing this, and it's making me nuts not <laughs> to see you play this, David. Oh, well. uh, your performances are, are so extraordinary, and as I was listening to you sing that just now, I was thinking... He would be shot down on Fox News in a second if Woody Guthrie were alive today as anti-American. And he is, You're of saying course, Woody Guthrie would be shot down. Is Woody Guthrie, oh, yes, not David. I might be, too. Uh, uh, I don't know You might about go down that. with him, though, David. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, you, know, I, I, you know, I think about what Woody Guthrie had to say as so truly American, and yet I think about how that would be um, – today called un-American, and yet, you know, he served his country both as an artist and as as a military serviceman. And, you know, a little-known fact, I think, is that many, many artists do serve in the military as artists, which he did, right, David? Well, that's right. He he served, first of all, uh, during the war, he served in the Merchant Marines uh, three times, and then he was— This is World uh, War II. That's right. And then he was drafted on on VE Day— and uh, so he was in the army uh, for a little while in 1945, and uh, definitely played all the time. Uh, he uh, boasted about uh, taking his guitar with him everywhere. Uh, let me take a call, Dick from Somerville. Go ahead, please. You're on the Cali Crossley show. Hi, thank you so much for taking my call. I'm really enjoying the show. Um, I I went to I got out of college in 1959, just in time to pick up a guitar and be a folk musician, um, and I'm also a poet, and Woody Guthrie just has been influential my whole life. And what you were just talking about, um, uh, I wrote a poem when when Woody died, and the poem was called America, because... He was so patriotic. ...you've been talking about. To me, he really represented the best of of us. Thank you so much for the uh, call, Dick. It's great. It's great to hear the show, because like I said, it's, you know... He's just always been an influence in, in, in everything that I, you know, just the way, the way that he's influenced other people, it, it's been that way for me, too, for a long time. Thank you so much for the call. You're welcome. We can't end this conversation, David, without knowing something about you. Um, uh, you're what my folks would call, you know, a country boy. <laughs> and in fact, that's how I listened to Woody Guthrie because my parents were both country people. Oh, so they, a lot of blues from Mississippi. Uh-huh. My father's from Mississippi, and a lot of folk because my mother was, you know, from Louisiana and just had a lot of it. So Odetta, Woody Guthrie, all uh-huh. of that whole thing, you, you know, Lead Belly, you know, all sure. of this stuff, you know. Yeah. So tell us something about. Well, as a matter of fact, uh, all of my people are from Mississippi <laughs> as well. I was I was born in Texas, but. Uh, my mother and my father, both from Mississippi, and uh, my—I was talking to Alicia about this the other day. My uh, father's mother was a uh, classically trained pianist and, and quite good one, who uh, played recitals with many orchestras. And my mother's father uh, was a kind of a natural-born uh, performer. Uh, he loved to tell stories and to sing and dance. He didn't do so professionally, but uh, their influence uh, was pretty big on us, I think, all of my brothers and sisters and myself. And, uh, so you come by it naturally. I, I guess so. I, I think so. And I started playing at a very early age, and, and sometime in college I found out that, that you, you could get money uh, for doing it. And uh, so ever since then, I've been, that's what I've been doing. We've talked about uh, what Woody's uh, legacy has been. What do you think it will be as we go forward? Wow. Uh, well, Woody got through publications, which is run by uh, Woody's daughter, Nora, uh, Marjorie Mazia, Guthrie's daughter. Uh, by the way, I want to tell everybody, please uh, come to the Hootenanny and recite your poem, Dick. <laughs> and uh, for the other lady, too, we sure would love to see you. We're having a Hootenanny every Thursday night at the theater. Woody's Which means legacy. That the audience people can bring their music, their right. instruments, and play with you all. And that, yeah. I believe, is is, uh, mm-hmm. is a part of Woody's legacy. Is, mm-hmm. uh, uh, folks like Bruce Springsteen and, and Billy Bragg and, and uh, Tom Morello these days, who's doing a big uh, 
uh, push to do with uh, Occupy Wall Street and all that kind of thing. But it's also uh, little guys like me going around in theaters and playing and and just keeping the, I guess to use a pretty trite phrase, but it's true, is keep the spirit alive. Mm. Alicia? Yeah, Kelly, I would add to that that in times of need, we turn back to our artists and artists such as Woody Guthrie, um, artists such as the Gershwins, whose Porgy and Bess through Diane Paulus, uh, and, you know, it was written in 1935, is back on Broadway. Arthur Miller's Death of a Salesman, written in 1949. Times when we need to reflect, we look backward to to try to see lessons learned, even if they're not learned. And I think that Woody Guthrie is going to be a figure we return to many, many times. Alas, not just as an artist, but as someone to instruct us about what poverty feels like, what the poor and hardworking people of any time feel. Well, that's a perfect way to end the conversation and get you back on the guitar with a full out, This Land is Your Land. It's called a reprise in the music yes, business. Yes, that's right. <laughs> so, David Luckin, thank you so much. Alicia Anstead, thank you so much. Great to be here, Callie. We've been talking about Woody Guthrie and the musical production Woody Says, now on stage at the ART in Cambridge. The show runs through May 26th. I've been speaking with David Lutkin and Alicia Anstead. David Lutkin is the divisor and music director of Woody Says. Alicia Anstead is the editor of Inside Arts Magazine and the Harvard Arts Beat blog. Start away, David, and I may read a little bit more as you go on. As I was walking that ribbon of a highway I saw above me that endless skyway I saw below me that golden valley This land was made for you and me I roamed and rambled and I followed my footsteps To the sparkling sands of her diamond deserts And all around me a voice was sounding This land was made for you and me This land is your land, this land is my land, from California to the New York Island. You can keep on top of the Callie Crossley Show at WGBH.org slash Callie Crossley. Follow us on Twitter or become a fan of the Callie Crossley Show on Facebook. Today's show was engineered by Alan Mattis, produced by Chelsea Murs, Will Roselip, and Abby Ruzica. We're a production of WGBH, Boston Public Radio. Through the Gulf Stream water, this land was made for you and me. When the sun came shining, and I was strolling, and the wheat fields waving, and the dust clouds rolling, as the fog was lifting, a voice was chanting, singing, This land was made for you and me. All right, here we go. This land is your land, this land is my land. From California to the New York Island, from the Redwood Forest to the Gulf Stream waters, this land was made for you and me.